Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of the world's funniest comedians. This is Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. Welcome, welcome world, to an all new episode of Comedy Gold Mines where we get inside the minds of brilliant comedians. And it doesn't change, it doesn't stop, it only gets better. And today, oh my God, we got such an amazing mind to get into. Ladies and gentlemen, the creative mind that we have with us is a legend. I say it, and I mean it, a legend. This woman has dominated the comedy circuit since the early 90s. One of the original queens of comedy. I mean, goodness, you've seen this queen in some of your favorite TV shows over the years, like Martin Moesha, The Steve Harvey Show. Not to mention one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm talking about The Players Club. Once again, a legend. I don't say the word loosely. I say it firmly. Adele Givens, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Adele, how you doing? Hey, Kevin, thank you for that awesome intro. It was a good one, right? Legend. I meant it. I, I like the part where you said firmly, not loosely. See, at my age, that's a real compliment. I appreciate it. <laughs> that, that was the best part of your intro. That's the, right best, that's the best part. Well, I mean, I mean, and I meant every single word of it. You know, what I love about this podcast is it gives me an opportunity to give flowers to those that I feel that desperately deserve them. Uh, you are one of those people, which is why I said I would love to talk to Adele, just to have a conversation with you, Adele. Um, I never had an opportunity to have like a long conversation with you. So I said, why not? Why not have an in-depth conversation and get to know you more? Um, let's talk comedy. Let's talk about comedy. Let's talk about you first and foremost, man, Def Jam and and your I want to say what what what's the correct word here? Because it's 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 more about how you hit the comedy scene. And it was such an impact that you had. It seems so quick, but I'm I'm willing to bet that it wasn't. Before Def Jam, how many years were you doing comedy? Before Def Jam, I had been doing comedy for seven months. <laughs> seven months. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Holy cow. I had been doing it for seven months, Kevin. I was in Chicago. And you know, when you first, you know how it is when you first start, you go all over the city. Back then, there was no uh, comedy club for black people. Like they had a funny firm or improv or something like that. And we, we just didn't, you just couldn't just go up there and get in there. So I had done every little chitlin circuit place I could do and everybody's birthday party. And I kept feeling like I was burnt out. And people would say, you got to go to New York or L.A. if you really want to find out if you're funny. So I went to New York, but I didn't know I needed money. I didn't know that. I just went, I only had $200 damn dollars. <laughs> I went to New York with $200, but the 
stars were shining in my favor. The ancestors was looking out for me. Because during that time, I ran into a comedy team. I don't know if you're familiar with back in the day, Arsenal and Mitchell. They were- uh, Yes, yes. They knew I was down on my luck. They let me stay with them with no strings attached. They took me around to places where you could do comedy. And I met Russell Simmons and he said he had a show he was going produce and he wanted me to do it and that's how I got on Def Comedy Jam. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm so you don't even understand the the here's the details, some real stuff. When I was in the hotel, you know, it was $57 a night. I had $200. I didn't realize, you know, I was like, okay, I'm gonna be out of here in three days. They're gonna kick me out. The hotel had a guy who spoke broken English. You paid it was a shared bathroom down the hall. I was in Manhattan. I didn't know. I knew nothing about New York. I got off the train at Penn Station. I caught a train. My friends gave me a, a college trunk. They helped me get a, a, on a train, wish me well. I went down there and I didn't know what to do. I was walking up and down the damn street. Arsenal call, returned my call because I called Arsenal Mitchell. I was like, look, I know I only met y'all at one time, but I'm in New York and I'm looking for comedy clubs. Let me know where they at. I was literally getting put out of the hotel. My boyfriend at the time, who's my husband now, he sent me $100 Western Union. Tell a youngin' what that means. Western Union. <laughs> Western Union, uh, for my listeners, if you do not know what that means, that, is, that, that was our approach to a wire transaction. There you go. That was a cash app for your mama nigga. That was our version of a cash app. It was, you go to Western Union and you send it and somebody's got to go to a Western Union location. They pick up the amount of money that was sent. These amounts ranged anywhere from this time between $25 to 200 to 500. Uh, if you were a working comic, I'm willing to bet you probably reached that 800 to 1,000 range. Uh, but I remember picking up several six $65 Western unions myself <laughs> back in the day. So I am, I am well aware. I'm, I'm also blown away by this. So I don't want to stop you. So you, you get to New York. First of all, what, how, how old were you? Like what point of this? I was very young. I had, listen, I had just been doing comedy for seven months. I got the blessings from my boyfriend and my mother and everybody saying, yeah, go to New York. None of our asses hadn't been nowhere. We didn't know you need, you might need a few dollars. I had $200. And so um, anyway, I had, as soon as I got there, I called Arsenal Mitchell. I, they were on, I had won this comedy competition in Chicago at the Regal. They were guests on the show. That's how we met. Sinbad hosted. They were guests. And they gave me that number and said, if you're ever in New York, call us. So when I first got to New York, that's what I did. But I got their answer machine. Tell your kids, tell you, what's, what's the answer machine? Yeah, okay. you know what? Yeah. I got to explain this to you yeah. guys too, to my <laughs> listeners here. An answer machine. This is a device that basically spoke uh, on your behalf if you weren't home. Uh, the machine would come on. You would leave a message. It's probably something cool. Maybe music played. Maybe it didn't. But people would then leave a message. And when you got home, you would check this device to see who called you that day. There were no texts. There was no, uh, you know, no cell phone. DMs. You have no DMs. Nothing like that. You would have to go and listen to it. And there was nothing more depressing than getting back home and pressing the play button on your answering machine and not having and a single fucking message. There was nothing worse than realizing that nobody gave a shit about you throughout the day. 
than an answer machine. That that's probably think you know what? Thank God that the answer machine is gone because that <laughs> you're talking about depression. That right there put people in the fucking hole. The answer oh. machine, I'm willing to bet it did. <laughs> The empty answering empty machine, answer. no louder sound than <laughs> empty tape running on your answering machine. <laughs> the it's loudest the sound loud. in the, the beep. Beep. You have no messages. All right. All right. <laughs> and Siri wasn't no. nice. It was a male voice saying, you have shit. Yeah. Nobody likes Nobody you. Nobody gives. Unplug me, bitch. You're wasting <laughs> electricity no that you can't afford. There's no reason for you to keep on rolling this tape and doing these messages. Oh, my God. Nobody's calling. So you get you get to New York. You're there. I mean, it's a, it's a plan. It, it wasn't well vetted out. But you get there, and now, okay, shit. It's kind of falling into place. I'm staying with with these two guys and you know what it's no strings attached and now i gotta make a way i gotta i gotta figure it out dev jam came surely after russell simmons like the 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 show and the production it came surely after did you have to be consistent and like calling and checking with russ no i did not i didn't even know russell i'd never heard of russell simmons hip-hop you have to understand wasn't it was just now becoming like this thing you know crush groove or whatever I didn't know him. I was from Chicago. So when this guy walked up to me and said, Russell will tell you today, when he walked up to me and said, hey, I got this project. I want you in. I pinched his jaw and I said, sure, give me a call. Because I, everybody, as you know, Kevin, yes. everybody yes. has something that they want you in. Yes. When you're a comedian, it's like, yes. hey, I want you to do this. And he was no different in my mind. But literally, he called, set, he called and flew me out. They sent the airline ticket called me and I really was going but this is how I got to Russell Arsenal Arsenal and Mitchell who was the comedy team Arsenal took me around to comedy clubs to introduce me to people not clubs club 88 mm -hmm. terminal d mm -hmm. things like that the rooms and let me do yeah exactly mm -hmm. rooms and let me do time there was Bob Sumner was holding a showcase so, and I didn't know Bob either. Arsenal walks up to Bob. He takes me down there, walks up to Bob, and Bob said, oh, you and Mitchell going to do the show. He says, no, Mitchell's not here, but I have a friend from Chicago. I want her to be on the on the show. Bob gives me that, you know, that up and down. Like, yeah, I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if this bitch is going to make it or not, but okay. You number 12. I'll never forget that. I'm number 12. So Bob gives me number 12. I go into the club. It's packed. It's a showcase. It's packed. Everybody's in there. I blow the house up at that time. I blow the house up. Russell's in the house. He comes up to me after the show, and he says what he says. He's, you know, he ain't even got my information. So, of course, yeah, sure, call me, you know. <laughs> Where did the want for comedy come from, right? Because you're talking about seven months that you've been doing it. Like, what, what was it that made you make the decision to say, I'm going to now get on stage? This is what I want to do with my life. This is what I'm going to pursue. Kevin, I had $300 worth of Ready Rock. Mm. I couldn't sell it. Mm. I was in my neighborhood. I was looking at people who had been so beautiful who had been so worthy looking like, you know, Fucked what crack up. makes you look like. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't sell it. I gave it away and I made the decision, I'm just gonna go to New York. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I can't sell rock. I was trying to sell rock to supplement some income yeah. that, you know, I needed. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I acquired, well, I won't say how, you know, like about uh, 
a ball of the stuff. Yeah. I had some friends help me to, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. make it into yeah. rock form, and I could not sell one. I couldn't Holy do shit. it. Holy I couldn't do shit. it. I said, I got to do something else. So I went to New York. I thought, people kept telling me, if you really want to know if you're funny, go to New York or go to L.A. You have to understand, I come from Chicago, the West Side, Londale neighborhood. Yeah. Wasn't no, wasn't no options for that. I didn't know, you know, we were always funny. We were on the porch funny. Somebody just said that on my Facebook page. People don't know when we was kids, it used to be fun hanging on y'all porch. You mm -hmm. was funny. I didn't know I could be a comedian. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that that was an option. Mm. I just knew how it felt when you get to laugh and when you, you know, it was good versus, oh my God, look at, her, she looks like that. You, mm -hmm. know? you know what I love though? What I love about your era, Adele, is like Def Jam, it made so many comedic stars, but it got thrown at you guys so fast, right? Like the, the stardom. It should sink or yeah, swim. It got, it got thrown at you guys so fast. And the thing that happened for most was you all had to figure out the business in it quickly. Like there, there was nobody that gave a you know, a handbook and said, this is now what you're supposed to do. And this is how it's going to happen. You know, the, the shows just started to come in and you guys were setting your own prices and, and figuring out your own bumps. How did that happen for you? Like after Dev Jam and the work starts coming in, was there anybody that was helping you like set your price and, and, and make it this, and now you're going to be a headliner. Now you're going to go out and you're going to be a part of this particular tour. You're going to go to comedy clubs. How did you handle that whirlwind as it came in so fast. I um I will tell you, Kevin, it's a beautiful thing. The ancestors smiled down on me. That's how. Wow. Because once I did that comedy jam, Russell began to manage me. Wow. So he did all of that. I didn't I didn't have to, you know, it 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 worked in my favor at that time, but I would say still, even if that happened to any artist today, if somehow you managed to acquire somebody knowledgeable enough about the business to do it still learn from them because mm -hmm. I just, I, you know, I didn't try to learn from them. There was some things that happened in, during my career that, you know, people were saying, no, you, you should do this and you should do that. But, you know, I feel like this, I'm a, I'm a person who has nothing but my word. If I sign a contract, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to own up to my part of the contract. Mm -hmm. It's what I do. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I learned later about that kind of thing, but I didn't need it earlier because I had people like Russell and Stan Latham helping me, managing me and getting me, you know, the, the gigs that I needed to, mm -hmm. to get to do what I love to do. So I didn't, I didn't have to, I got lucky. I got real lucky. That is, I mean, that's, that's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing gift to come across uh, at that stage because like I said, it comes at you very fast. Mm -hmm. Well, now let's let's go and let's fast forward. I mean, look, you're you're crushing. Adele Givens is now a name. So now, when you step on stage, people are now familiar with you because, like you said, the Def Jam, you destroyed that. You blew that up. What was the circuit for women like back then? Was it a was it a supportive thing amongst women? Was it a you know was it a crab in a barrel mentality back then? Was it all for one, one for all? What was the support system? between the women that were on the, that were in that comedy circuit at that time? At the time, there was not that very many women. You know, no, it's like, that's what I'm asking. we rarely even got a chance to work together, let alone, I mean, I support comedians and 
I always, you know, early on, uh, I, I, I grabbed this lady and took her with me on the road because I felt like women don't get enough exposure. And, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, of course, right now, I mean, I don't know what she's doing, but her name is Cherie Luckett. I took her on the road with me. Um, mm -hmm. There was a girl named Pat Brown. I took her on the road with me. Mm -hmm. um, Shout out to Pat Brown. Yeah, I, I got I got some uh, you know some some history of trying to do as much as I can to make sure we support each other. But my thing was get get that exposure because a lot of times guys were saying women ain't as funny as guys, and I and I felt like that's what that's where I'm such a lady came from. It's like, hey mm -hmm. man. If he, if he just said all the words I just said, but you got a, you have a difference uh, uh, of, of, of reception when it comes to me saying it, how is that? That's impossible. You can't do that. We've been fighting injustices all our lives. You ain't going to mm -hmm. do that to me. I hung out in the pool hall, Kevin. When I was a kid and a teenager, I hung out in the pool hall. I was just talking to my husband the other day. I said, you know, one of the reasons I probably was drawn to hang out in the pool hall, what girls, you know, like to hang out in the pool hall, other than the fact that I was a shark. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was kicking some ass. Yeah, yeah, using that hustling. Oh, yeah. I, 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 yeah, Kevin, I, I forgot to say, I was I also was hustling, hustling too. I wasn't just hanging out. I was in there doing side gigging. Kevin, I was side gigging <laughs> in the pool hall. But they, but they, if you ever, if anybody ever hung out in the pool hall, you know that is a, they talk premiere shit in the pool hall. Absolutely. People in Absolutely. the it's more it's more ragging on each other. It's more dozens being said. It's more creative minds talking shit to each other in the pool hall just to win five dollars on this stick. And the pool hall in the barbershop. <laughs> pool hall pool hall in the barbershop breed the best shit talkers in the world. I don't, I don't care what anybody say. I'll I'll say the pool hall and the barbershop and in a good street corner. You got a good street corner <laughs> You get it. You come across a good street corner with some personality. That street corner can go for goddamn hours. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about some of the best, some of the most creative snapping that you'll ever hear. I've been lit up so bad where I'm from. Uh, you know, and this is this is after success. You know, after after who I am, I've tried to go home and and hit a hit a corner, reminisce with some guys, and can't get your goddamn breath mint shape head ass to fuck up out of here. Kevin, you don't get your goddamn half a built body, bad back <laughs> built ass. I mean, just a just to play on letters alone. I, I said, these men are wordsmith. What the, I need I left that bitch feeling like I was I was cut with razor blades all in my Achilles. They wordsmith, Kevin. They wordsmith. I've never, never seen anything like it. I, I definitely know what you're talking about, about oh. what you have built up by being in the pool hall and, and what that's done for you. So I, I concur. I concur. Yeah. So what women, so so what women off the top of your head uh were were around? Like what were the other women that were bigger than that were that were there with you? Uh well, I mean, again, like they're they're uh, um I, I came out with Cheryl Underwood. Cheryl Underwood was one of the first females that I saw. Cheryl Underwood, and there was this other girl, um, I can't even call her name, but I think she stopped Angela, Angela something or other. I, I, I can't remember her name. But when I did the contest, when I won this, um, the, the contest at the Regal, there were three other uh, women in it, Diane Ware. Um, I, again, I can't even remember their names because they don't do it anymore. Like uh, Sinbad hosted the contest mm -hmm. and, um, 
out of the guys who who did it, the one guy went on to make a song, the the rapping Duke, uh, da ha da ha. That 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 guy was in it. I I don't. These people are they didn't you know they didn't choose comedy as a career, and I understand why because I had to make a decision between maybe selling a rock just to survive and and going to New York to take a chance. So. Um, yeah. It's not for everybody. It's not for yeah. everybody, and you know it. It works out the way that it's supposed to. Yeah. Uh, how did the Queens of Comedy come about? Uh, some more contacted me and asked me to do a show with her. And uh, at the time, it was Thea Vidal and Samora and me. And um, she wanted to do an all ladies show again. There's some support. We wanna we wanna do women. It was me, Samora, and. Um, uh, Thea Vidal, and we did this show. It didn't have a title at the time, but the Kings of Comedy came out, and Samora talked with uh, Walter Latham, and he they decided, you know, let's try and do a Queens of Comedy. And mm. uh, so at first he had uh, me, um, Myra J, um, Samora, and uh, Monique, but then they switched Myra J out for Laura Hayes. Mm. So, and that's the one that we ended up taping with, with Laura Hayes and doing the tours. How many days did you guys do? Uh, I don't know, but uh, he, Walter gave us a plaque uh, that said 13 sold out consecutive shows on that tour. So I don't know how many dates we did all together, but I know it was more than 13 because we had yeah, <laughs> at least 14. <laughs> how about that? And, and that experience between you ladies, did you know at the time that it was historic what you were doing? Did you guys feel that? Did you guys kind of grasp the essence of what was happening? Or, or is it now when you look back at it, it's more of a wow? For me, it's, it's now. For me, it's now. And it's, a, uh, it's amazing. It, 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 it humbles you. It's like, y'all still watch that? Oh, man, that's mm. so dope. And, and the fact that, you know, every time we went to the radio station, Kevin, every time we went to do an interview, they were like, all right, give us the dirt. What's the, you know, they were hungry for the, for the dumb shit that you get off of, you know, reality mm-hmm. then. And we didn't have it. We honestly didn't have it. Mm. We honestly did not have that. We were so happy. We was like living in a fantasy. It's like, bitch, we, do you know, I didn't see, I, I, I didn't wear makeup. I still don't really wear a lot of makeup. But I had never worn makeup, and I would watch Monique and Samoa, and they doing their shit. And Monique went and bought a, a, a Iman uh, foundation thing to try and show me. Samoa tried to show me how to put on eyelashes. That is the hardest shit ever in life. I don't, I don't blame a bitch for wearing a lash this long. If I work that hard, bitch, my lash is going across the fucking room because that is a job and a goddamn half. And then you gotta walk around and wear that bitch fanning people all day. Every time you blink, you get in a bitch a fan. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, but they taught me how to do it. Wow. And they, they were my, I grew up in the house with six sisters, seven girls. My mother didn't wear makeup. She didn't wear nail polish. She wasn't religious. She'd cuss your ass from here to next week. But she just didn't bother with that. And we didn't never bother with it. So yeah. it was like having a sister teach you how to make your face up. I had some shit I never experienced before. It wow. was wonderful. Wow. It was wonderful. We didn't you have know, no dirt to give. No, but you know what? You said what you said is so is so strong though. It's like, you know, people the expectation for that to be 
is is what's the is what's the problem you know that's that's the that's the thing you know why should something just be good it has to be some bad let's go search for the bad <laughs> why why would it just be good that's not right that that's not that's not fun the bad is the fun no it's 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 exactly what you said it was it's it's something that that I'm glad you can look back at now and realize how amazing it was and as a fan of comedy you know it's it's historic you know these women took to stage and matched the energy that the kings of comedy were putting out there and just simply said here we go don't don't forget that we're here as well and you know i think that we should we should make our presence felt and it wasn't in a way of it wasn't sassy and attitudes it was in a way where it just demanded respect Demand the respect and attention, and you got that the correct way. You got it by putting asses in seats, which is a dope <laughs> thing. And it, and it hasn't it hasn't been duplicated. I don't know if it if it will or if it can. And that's why that's why I think the Kings theirs is going to sit in history forever because you're never going to duplicate that, right? You're never going to be able to put that that type of group together like that worked because of those men, and yours worked because of those women. You can't recreate it. So I think it, it, it definitely stays in its own place in history uh, for forever. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. What's your take now on comedy, on the women in comedy? Do you, do you feel like the growth has been amazing? Do you feel like it's still lacking, you know, uh, a high level of growth and, 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 and energy from, from your female counterparts? How do you feel now about the women in comedy? It's like women in almost everything. We are emerging. People are giving us more respect. They are seeing that we are capable. I've seen so many different things on television uh, where uh, a comedic, a female comedic mind is behind. It's it's respect and it, it's long overdue. Mm -hmm. We know we we got a lot a lot to get to, a, a long way to go. But it's a good thing to see. And and I, you know, I don't watch stand up. I mean, I, if I see some, if something happens and there's it, I'm going to watch it. You a comedian. You know, we don't generally watch stand up. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't want to hear your shit because I don't. Yeah. But if I'm thinking about something that you're saying, I don't want you don't you want to it to spark what you're you don't want. You don't <laughs> want your ideas to come from the shit that you're seeing. You end up being a person that's taking shit without even exactly. knowing that you're taking shit. Yes, exactly. I don't I don't want to do that. So I don't really watch it. But I do see products on TV. I mean, I'm scrolling through the guide and I see 
uh, something with Sam J. I know Sam J is a comedian. I yeah. know I worked with her once or twice and I know she was a nice lady and I'm like, this is good. Mm -hmm. I, I go on Instagram. I look at Rita Brent. She's got all these dope ass videos. I look at, I'm like, you know, I love this. And I, you know, all I can do is click on it. And you know what, Kevin, what bothers me? Because I'm such a different mm, personality. I like to support people and I like to do it publicly. Mm -hmm. But what bothers me is that people think you holding somebody. You can't say, oh, you good. This is so good. Oh, bitch, I love this. Oh, you know, without every time she posts something, you got to like it. Well, bitch, if I like it, I want to express that. I want to support mm -hmm. her. I want her to keep doing it. It's not a matter of me. Why I got to be concerned with you thinking I'm holding her? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't want nothing from that person except I want to make them know that they doing some good shit and I want to continue to support that. You're coming from a positive place. You're coming I, from a positive place with positive energy. I, I don't understand why it's so rare. I well, just because don't. In today's time, negative sells more. Negative is more attractive. The negative queens of is... comedy wasn't in today's times. They Absolutely. wanted that thirst back then. Mm. These people Absolutely. wanted that bullshit then. Absolutely. I can't give it to them. Look, you see, I, people don't know. I'm glad that y'all ain't videoing this. But I'm getting emotional. But it was because earlier you said you said something that I literally just had to say to a person whose son, uh, uh, you know, my best friend, her grandson was murdered just mm -hmm. yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I had to tell her, I had to tell her, his mom, listen, don't think about all the, he, he was gunned down. You know, it was gang violence. He was only 27 years old. My youngest son is 26 years old. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, and I was telling her, don't think about all that stuff connected to it. Don't think about the, think about who you, who you were to him. You mm -hmm. were such a good mother. You did such a good job, but you're going to, you're going to want to, Kevin, I need tissue shit. Boy. <laughs> you're going to want to blame yourself for not doing this and not doing that, you know, but don't do that. Hold on to the good stuff. Hold on mm -hmm. to the stuff you gave him. You know how he was. Here's the thing, if you, people gonna say he shouldn't have hung around these people, he shouldn't have been, but I say he was loyal to a fault. I say he was loyal to the wrong energies, mm. not he shouldn't have hung around those people. You know, that's how you ostracize people. Like you just said, you, you walk down that street, you see those people on the corner, you don't know who they are. Mm. You just see a gang of people and you make a judgment based on that. Why? I used to, every, when, you really don't know how you touching my history when you say on the street corner, but they used to sing. I used to stay, I used to go down there every day when I get off the L coming from work, that whole gang of group of guys that people scared of, I used to jump right in mm -hmm. what y'all singing and I'm singing with y'all. Cause I know y'all are just people. I grew up with some of these people. You see the good. Yeah. You see the good. You see, you not only do you see the good, but you know the good. And, and I think just to, to add to what you're saying, I think a big disconnection comes from the assumption that so many have, right? The, yeah. the assumptions that so many have sometimes run the narrative. You, your assumption doesn't have to be attached to a fact at all. It can just be what I assume this to be. The expectation of negative, the expectation of bad, the expectation of drama. It's what I'm assuming is attached. And 90% <laughs> of the time, that assumption is wrong. 
you know and mm -hmm. and when we were talking about you we were talking about the queens and you know you were talking about uh just your rapport your relationships and how you looking back you're like wow it's such a great thing a great moment but they were my sisters we didn't have no problems well there's an assumption oh man they probably didn't do it no more because those women didn't get along they was probably catty they probably did this there's an assumption <laughs> That always drives a narrative. So you you have to be uh, one of those one of those people that understand how to just simply come from a place of positivity all the time. Like that's the thing. I, there's no consequence with being positive. People act as if there's a consequence that comes with being positive. You're a pop. You're there's soft. No, no. Yeah. You you a bitch. I am such a bitch. Yes, I am. Good energy, Kevin. You's a little bitch, Kevin. Well, I'm not. I'm just a positive dude. I'm a, I'm exactly. A I like good energy. I try to put out good energy. It's so simple. Because what you put out comes back to you all the time. And I don't mean it like, you know, people say, people used to say to me, oh, you did this. This is wonderful. God going to bless you. And I go, look here. I'll make no deals. Me and God ain't in no alley. Tell me, look here, I'm gonna give you 10 of these. You give me a couple of blessings. <laughs> that ain't how it works. I do what I do because I love people and it feels good to me. I'm, it's really selfish if you think about it. It's a good feeling to do stuff for people. I'm getting my, I'm getting my good out of this. You know, it's like, hey, let me do that Absolutely. for you. And now I walk around feeling accomplished, feeling good. So it's really selfish when you look at it in the right context. But I'm a selfish bitch. I like to be, I like to see people happy. I like to do good things. I like to surprise people with good stuff. It's just, it's a good feeling. Mm. Don't we get enough bad shit? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I, balance I'm, it out, Ken. You are, you are preaching to the choir. I know. You're preaching to somebody that lives for that exact reason. That's what I feel like my purpose is. That's what I try to to do on a consistent basis. And what I've learned to do is, you know, ride with whatever people are doing. If you, if you love it, then great. If you don't, then that's great too. I no longer give a, give a tremendous amount of back and forth to shit that just doesn't deserve that energy. That energy. That's yeah, right. I like I, I've learned that. And that's, that's of course, that's me getting older. That's me at, at the age 41, about to be 42, just understanding that good energy is something that just should be valued. And if it's not, that's fine. Just take it elsewhere. Take that good energy elsewhere to people that that's will right. value it. That's what I say to that. That's right, son. Um, you got it right. I, where, love. He said, he said <laughs> I love say, it. son, you talk about you 41. I could be your mama, boy. But I, I yeah. love, but you look great. What are you talking about? You look fucking phenomenal. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Phenomenal. You. Where are you at right now with, with comedy? What's your What's your what's your stance in comedy? Are you in love with where it's at today? Do you like the turns that uh, that it's made over the years? I mean, you know, talking to you, you're someone that has seen comedy in all stages. You've seen it, you know, grow. And now to where we're in times of, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say sensitivity because it's not about sensitivity. We're, we're in times of responsibility. Uh, word responsibility. That's what I would say. You're, we're living in times where we all have to be responsible for the things that we say, and we need to make sure that we manage our words 
correctly and that we're not um, harming, damaging, you know, d different people or, or, or different races or, or, you know, groups, whatever it is, we as comedians now have to be more conscious. I ask you this question because you were in a time where people said what they wanted at one point and it was, and it was all of the above. What's your take on the now? How do you feel? I, I, as far as the, you know, the sensitivity, I got, I, I take issue with that. It's like, y'all punk asses, stop it. Get stronger about certain things. But then there are certain things that I'm sensitive about. So I have to put the, you know, I have to put myself and other people. I was just looking at Kevin. I was just looking at something that I did. And I was like, wow, I, that was so insensitive. I would still do the joke, but I would change the way I did it. When I was on Def Jam, I said, um, you know, um, I would get a pap smear, you know, because, you know, it felt good. Basically, mm -hmm. the joke was, hey, he talking about I'll see you next year. No bullshit. You'll see me tomorrow. That felt good, mm -hmm. you know. And then I said, uh, and if you want foreplay with this with this pap smear, you can get that. Just say, hey, doc, uh, feel my breast. I, I, I might have a knot. It was so insensitive. That, mm -hmm. I mean, the concept is funny to allow uh, a breast exam to be sensual and you to enjoy it and smoke a cigarette behind it. But the way I said it as a youngster in different times was not something I would do today. It would be mm -hmm. unacceptable to even me. I've experienced people who've had to, you know, have surgeries and who've been through cancer. I lost a sister. All these things factor into the growth that I, you know, that I've acquired since I was on Death Comedy Jam. Would I change the joke? Absolutely not. Would I change the way I said it? Absolutely. These days I would be sensitive to the time. But I don't like it. I won't, I won't say I like it at all. As a person who likes to, when it comes up, I like to let it come out. Oh, I got a lot of, ooh, bitch, you know you shouldn't have said that. But it's like, it's, but it's funny. Don't attach yourself to that other part. Try to get the funny out of it. I want you to squeeze this orange and get the juice and not just look at the peelings because it's some good mm. shit in here. Mm -hmm. But It's the curse of the young, of the young comic, right? The, the young comic is, is raw is energetic and and you know you're 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 fearless right you're, you're fearless that that young comic is fearless about the things that that he or she thinks or feels is funny and and the approach to that is risk-taking and and you know you saying what you just said i think it's just so dope because with with age and wisdom comes you know growth once again, yes, growth. And, and you're able to go, you know what? I can see where I was wrong here. I can see where this should be said differently. There's no way where I would do this today. I mean, I have a couple. I have a couple that I even saw that, that I've done that, you know, I've, I've cringed a little bit. And just thinking about because my knowledge of the other side, of the other, of the other, you know, the, the other feelings that are, that are in play is just... Um, it's just on. It, it's it's bigger. I, yeah. I have a I have a larger level of understanding. Mm -hmm. You've been expanded um, absolutely in today's time. Absolutely, you expanded is a great word. It's a great great word. Um, but you know when you watch when you watch Def Jam, you know, that's the that was the culture of comedy back that was then. What it was. That's what the fuck it was, right? <laughs> it was so liberating. Oh my oh. god. It was a, it was a different time. It, <laughs> it was, was a different so, time. We we and cussed it, extra, you know that. 
Well, Def Jam, I felt like you got, I felt like it was like an SAT. You know how you got 400 for putting your name on a paper? No, I felt no, like, I, I got a GED, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yes, like the, I feel like the Def Jam, the Def Jam, if you came out and, and gave two motherfuckers off the, off the back, you felt like you had an edge. You, you felt like you were, you were in there. You know, if it was, what's up, motherfuckers? It was a quick, like, you know. It's the and, pool hall. Yeah, it's like, it's a quick entry. Uh, and I didn't, like, when I did Def Jam, I did the Def Jam that was the remake of the remake, right? Like, it was, you know, it was when they were trying to revive this thing that, you know, you can't, even though comics did it, you can't really revive that that time. Like there there was a time that was attached to it. And they did it. You know, we had different hosts do it and they had different people. I think Mike Epps hosted one. Uh mm -hmm. I think Cat may have hosted one. Um I'm not I'm not sure who else. And it, these were fine. It was all the comedians came out and supported. And I was one of the comics and it was great. It was a great set. And it gave me a, a Def Jam credit, which meant the world to me. But it wasn't from that that original time. And that that original time, that original stage, that original feeling of of win that came with a killing on Def Jam. It, it it was it's something that I'm like, damn man, I'm never gonna know what that was. Like that's a moment where I'm like, I wish. I could have experienced that. You're like you're, you're, you're give a whale a tic tac. I mean, it's <laughs> the, the the laughter, the laughter from that joke came from a time where falling out the fucking chairs during a comedy set was the thing. You you got us. You have to understand too, Kevin. We were so happy to have it ourselves. That was the first time see that you're right you can't go back to the first time of anything that was the first time that black people had their own comedy show had an yes. opportunity to visually you know we would have the richard Pryor albums we would have the you know we would have we knew that we could do it we knew that there was people like richard Pryor and red fox and and the greats that did albums but you didn't unless it was a special you didn't really get to see them like that so to get to see all the up and coming young talent that you have all across the nation and on, on one show, absolutely. It's like when we were kids and the Jackson 5 came on TV. You can't oh, recreate God. that. It's like, oh, black people and they singing and they jamming and they doing very well. And I'm loving this talent that I'm looking at. It was for us. And that mm. I think was what one of the things you can't, you definitely can't recapture that. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. You know what, too, man? And, and it makes me think, like, I, I, hear, I hear conversations and, you know, uh, people always float and throw around the names that they feel like are in their, the, the GOAT conversation. And, you know, 
I wonder if people realize how great Martin Lawrence was. Oh my God. I, I wonder, wonder that. I wonder if people realize how great Martin Lawrence was. And I and I want to make sure that my listeners really understand this. And I'm gonna have Martin on on Gold Mines because I, you know, I want to give Martin his flowers as well. But mm. Martin Lawrence, Martin Lawrence put on a off-the-cuff comedy display on an episode-to-episode basis during the tapings of Def Jam. <laughs> Martin Lawrence freestyled and freestyled and freestyled and gave you personality and gave you charisma and gave you comedy with, with a precise approach that never missed during these tapings of Dev Jam, where he acted as a host. And Martin became a big star. Martin, you know, went on to make blockbuster movies, et cetera. But in today's conversation, I don't know if people truly understand the hold that Martin Lawrence had on comedy back then. Oh my goodness. I bet you every comedian knows. We, we understand that, I mean, cause he did, you're right. He mastered it and night after night, three, four shows a night. And it was always something different. He was always so on point. And even to this day, I marvel at that genius. I really do. I think you might be onto something because I don't hear as much talk about it as I feel like I should because he was great as a host. And it's like he was, if you ever want to host, he's somebody you should just take your time and watch some of those deaf comedy jam. <sighs> this man, you're talking about improvising and off the cuff and holding the audience every single time the confidence that you gained about him just watching it this man is i think you're right i don't think i think he's underrated right now i i I truly do just just because of what you just said it made me think about that when you said it was the first time that we really had something that was our own it was the first time that we had uh, a, a comedy show that we held on to. It was it was a black piece of property. It it felt like and yeah. and the level of expressive expressiveness that that the crowd and the comedians had. You know, it it was it was everything that was supposed to be plus more. And he was just at the head of it. I don't know. It just you made me think about that. I wonder if people truly fucking get it or don't get it. Um, Adele, you said you got a son that's 27, 26? 26 and 28, Kevin. 26 and 28 years old. Congratulations. Congrats. Yes, thank you. Congrats. And uh, a boyfriend, high school, sweetheart turned husband. Uh, young love turned husband. Block. We grew up on the same wow. block. We grew up literally four, seven houses from each other. We've known each other practically all our lives. And Holy cow. We were shocked when we decided to get together. It's like, I've been looking at you all this time. I ain't never liked you like that. <laughs> but he was Holy a Jehovah's cow. Witness when we was kids. So it's like, don't knock on my Holy. damn door no more. <laughs> <laughs> he said, don't knock on my door. Right. When you become uh, a sinner, gonna... come see me. See me yeah, when you see. become a sinner. I'll holler yeah. at you then. I can't right now. Your life is too good to come on, come on, come come here. Don't come here with that with that good side. I don't need that right now. <laughs> you don't need uh, that's beautiful, man. That's a that's a hell of a story. God damn. And been together this whole time. Been together the whole time. Did you you a grandma yet? Kids got kids? 
No, I don't have a, I, I have a step-granddaughter uh, and okay. a step-grandson, but I, I call them my grandkids because my husband had a daughter before we got together and she's older than both of our sons. She's 32, 33. So that's okay. my daughter. Those are my grandkids. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pushing it too. I'm like, I'm ready. You know, when you get old like this, you want a baby. You want a yeah. baby, but you don't want the responsibility. I love the term grandmother. I can't wait. I can't wait. You want to just, you, you want the baby that you can, Come get and give back right. at your disposal. You already yes. know. You That's a privilege. already know. Ain't it the, That's privilege. the privilege that goes with it? All them rotten and let you yeah. deal with it. <laughs> and tell you, you were the same damn way. Leave that baby alone. Are <laughs> your are your kids? Are they up to speed and aware of how legendary you are? Do you feel like they know? If I would have told one of them people that I was doing an interview with you, they'd have came over. Now, if I'd have just said, I want you to come because I'm doing some Zoom stuff, they would have said whatever. But Kevin Hart, oh, yeah. they you know they you know they love you. They don't give a damn about me. They don't, I have to, they don't think twice about my butt. They need they need to know. They need to know. They need to listen to this so they can see how I feel about you. Why well, I wanted to talk to you. Yeah, wanna, like, send me a, a tape so I can mute yeah. it on their ass. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, I really, that's something that I often think about because, you know, I know that my kids, my kids don't give two shits. My kids, my kids don't give two shits about who I am. Hmm. But let them see a fucking YouTube star. My, they'll start crying on the spot. Pass out. <laughs> fucking Kevin Hart. I, I had to tell my son that one time. Hey. Your father's Kevin Hart. Get yourself together over this goddamn YouTube. Hey, come here, boy. Do you know who that is, Dad? Oh, he fucking lost it. Turned into an emotional wreck. I was pissed. I was, I was pissed off. Uh, but I, I, you know, I just want to, it's, it's just something that makes me curious. If they're aware of the legend that's attached to their mother. A fucking legend, man. I was talking to Steve Harvey, and, and we were talking about you. We were talking about just the, 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 the women that, like, really pop and have stood out and made an impact uh, on comedy. And, you know, we weren't saying women of color. We were saying women in general, like the women that just were pound-for-pound sledgehammer hitters when it, when it came to the stage. And you were at the top of that conversation, and rightfully so. Thank you. I rightfully fucking that. so. I, I um, really appreciate it. It means a lot coming from my peers, especially you two. Well, I 1,000% I, I mean it. And, you know, I don't want to wrap up yet. Before I do, I just want to know, what, what are you doing? What's going on? Talk to me. What's, what's now? What is Adele Givens doing? <laughs> right now, Adele Givens is sitting at home waiting on August. August. I pushed all dates back to August. Hang with the okay. only. Hey, Holy shit. I told her I want to meet you, Kel. How you doing? <laughs> hey, hey, you, you, hey, Kel. Tell her you know me, man. Tell her, oh, tell her we, go out, we go. <laughs> hey, hey. Holy shit. How long has he been with you? <laughs> Reggie, Reggie is a, I found Reggie probably about a year ago. Hey, Kev, the, the, the pandemic make you do everything. I started doing ventriloquism, singing songs with my puppets. Painting rocks, I was I, I do everything. Holy I cow! I'm crazy. What do you mean? That's fucking <laughs> insane. I love that. Hey, I, I told you, I told you, girl. See, see, I told you he liked this shit. <laughs> Did you wait a second? I, you picked it up during the pandemic. You just started doing it. I actually was trying to do it before the pandemic. I made my own puppets. I couldn't find a puppet that looked like me. You know, I, I like, I want a puppet. I want a, a little mini me, because I really mm -hmm. talk shit then. 
But I started using these little dish things and, and, and messing with it. And then I was like, oh, I could do that. Oh, look, oh, look, it ain't. So I started practicing. There's an old song called Jimmy Mac. Jimmy, oh, Jimmy Mac. So I started, I said, you need to do M's and stuff because that's, that's where the trouble is. You know, you mm -hmm. got to practice on those M's because girl, she did. So, and I've love, been doing it, Kevin. It's you're something. Going out, you're going out in August? In August, yeah. I'm starting in August. <laughs> well, listen, uh, you heard it here. Listen, people, Adele Gibbons. Um, I don't even need to really say much more because I feel like you got to know her and you got to know about her. You should, you should really look up on what else you feel like you need to know. And her history, her history is right in front of you, man. That's what makes the internet so amazing. Uh, if she has dates and you're around in any of the vicinity, I suggest you go see her. I love the fact that you can still recreate. That's the beauty of comedy. The beauty of comedy is comedy has so many doors that you can open up. That's the power of that microphone. You can do so many different things. You're talking about a woman that just decided to go a different route just because she said, you know what? I was bored. I wanted to do something. So I said, I'm going to do this. Ventriloquism. <laughs> and now I picked up puppets. And Kevin, I'm about to go do some dates in August. Good for you, man. I ain't That's bringing my damn puppets. Love. That's what I love. <laughs> it was just a hobby. So don't be expecting my damn puppets on stage. Don't this ain't no puppets. less than Willie and shit. Yeah. Y'all just bring, bring that's your just ass. A hobby. Look at that's the videos. Yeah, it's that's, a, just, that's just a hobby. It's puppets a hobby. won't be with her on the road. The puppets but, will not be there. Kevin, I want you to promise me that one day yes, you will allow me to interview you and get to know you because I really would love to. I would like to get to know Kevin Hart, not, oh, that's Kevin Hart. Kevin yes, Hart, you seem like such a person to know, no, not just be a fan of like, oh, yes, I was with Kevin. Oh, I hung out with Kevin. Oh, I did this. I would love to interview you one day. And it you might have, not go on the air. It might go on the air, but I would just like my, that time. You have my blessing. Look, okay. look how easy I am. Look at this All conversation. Right. All it's right. easy. It's not even, yes. That's how easy it is. I'll yes. roast your ass if I can't get it. Hey, look, I like told you what happened to me in the told me. <laughs> I told you what happened to me in the corner. I ain't no stranger to it. I told you I done got lit up before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would sit there and, and just have to deal with it. I would just have to take it. Bring up. How do you like Kevin Hart? Oh, Kevin Hart. Oh, you seen the little motherfucker? Because I ain't seen him since he told me I could interview his ass. Oh, I don't know how I like Kevin. No, I'm teasing. We're going to give Adele a time where she can talk to me. You have my word. And when I say things on Comedy Gold Mines, I commit to them. That's my contract to you. I appreciate it. Your word is bond. That's all you got is your word in the world. So I appreciate that. I love it. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Comedy Gold Mines, where we do what? Where we get inside the minds of amazing comedians, and today was no different. We got to get inside the amazing mind of Adele Givens. Oh, my God, how lucky are we? We get to do this, and here's the good news. We get to do it because we love it. That's the best part about it. Smile today. Smile bigger and smile brighter than you did the day before. Adele, thank you so much. Tremendous amount of respect, tremendous amount of love from me to you. Um, forever a fan, and I mean that. Thank you so much. The feeling is mutual, Kevin. A tremendous amount of respect. I love your energy. Thank you. I appreciate you. Comedy Gold Mines is a serious XM and LOL audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald.
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? (coughs) Or just a horrible accident? (coughs) That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a Slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags, because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Slaycation.